if, uh, if you want a Bible, um, raise your hand. Mike, the guy that was just up here, and Lorna McKenzie are going to help get you one. Um, we're going to turn to James chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 13. We are in the 12th week. Everybody think about the word 12th. Just think about the word for a second. Everybody say the word 12th. Ready? One, two, three. It's such a weird word. It's the 12th week of the series, the final week in the series. Congratulations. How many of you guys have been here the whole time? Nicely done. Five gold stars. We are going to finish up today. And um, man, before we do, though, let's talk about Thanksgiving. How many of you guys are going to be cooking something this Thanksgiving with your own hands? Raise your hand. Awesome. All right. How many of you... I'm going to set this right here. How many of you, maybe, I'm not going to say it's the guys, but it might be the guys. How many of you would love to contribute, but you're a horrible cook, and you'd love, like, if there was a simple thing that you could make, and win, win over a bunch of people all at once, raise your hand. I'm so glad you're here today, because I have something for you. There is one thing that I make every year, and really, anytime we have, like, a big family uh, gathering, and... Um, <laughs> it is not the Apostle Paul, um, although, uh, rest in peace, big guy. Um, so this dish, <laughs> so here's the thing. I will attempt to say this is legit, okay? This is for real. But you may not believe it, that's fine, until you try it. Um, so this dish has five ingredients. We say five. Five. I'm going to show you one by one, and then you can try to guess what I'm making. All right, first of all, you have eggs. You technically need three eggs. I have two in here, right? You need eggs, all right? Anybody want to guess what I'm making? All right, so there's eggs. Can I get somebody to help me out? Yeah, okay, Amy, Destiny, come on up here. All right, so we've got eggs. This is, yeah, oh yeah, we're going old school. Let's hear for Amy. Come on, Destiny. I need, I'm going to need a few more people. All right, so then, um, so we have eggs. And then we have two sticks of butter. All right, who likes butter? Okay, Sarah gets the butter. All right, now, anybody want to guess what I'm making yet? What did you say? Brownies? Mmm. Brownies are tricky, though, because when do you take them out? Like, when the thing, like, when they like to pull up uh, away from the sides, are they gooey in the center? Are they cakey? I don't know. So here's, that's two of, two of five ingredients. You ready for the third one? One and two-thirds cup of sugar. Okay, here's the thing. Thank you, Destiny. I think, it, yep, sugar. There you go. So you like sugar, right? Okay, good. So... So right now, I have three of the five ingredients in front of you. I have a cup and two-thirds two of sugar, two sticks of butter, and three eggs. The fourth ingredient is 12 slices of bread. Cubed, all right? So you're going to cube those slices of bread. Now, the, this is how... This is how easy this recipe is. Are you ready for this? I'm going to show you the fifth ingredient. You take these five ingredients and you basically mash them together and pour it into a pan and cook it for 40 minutes and you're done. 
And people, it's like a bread pudding, but it's a pineapple casserole, breaded casserole. That is the fifth thing, and we only have four people. So we're good. So I will tell you right now, this is like, this is a secret. This is a sneaky way to get dessert in before dessert is on the table because people eat this off their plate first. So let's, let's hear it for our, our, our uh, lovely volunteers. Thank you, thank you. Good deal. Um, I will post that very difficult recipe for you sometime soon um, so you guys can do that. Um, anybody think that that would work well and be good? Anybody, thank you, Tina. Anybody think that's a horrible idea? That's never do it, right? Okay, whatever, Emily. I don't know about you. I question our friendship right now. But it's all good. I, I think that um, Thanksgiving makes us think about recipes and makes us think about food and getting together. And I got to say that the connection into today's message is this. If you've been around for James for the last few weeks, you know that James is a pretty cut and dry guy. He pretty much throws it down the way that he wants you to get it. He doesn't really talk around things. He talks directly about them. And he kind of lays out the plan. And the biggest part of the plan is really putting your faith into action, is persevering. And while you're maybe impatient, like we, look at, we looked at last week in Job, being impatient with God, that there's something that kicks in when, it, when your patience runs out, and that's perseverance. And that we're able to, to persevere through the trials and tribulations and the suffering that we might experience. And he even starts off the whole chapter by saying, hey, count it all joy when you experience these things. So if you think about James, there's, there's a recipe that he's kind of laying out. And today, in the passage we're going to look at today, he again goes through kind of a recipe. Isn't it what we really do, though, as people, is we're constantly trying to figure out what's the right combination of things in our life that's going to produce the type of life that we want. We're trying to figure out how much work should I do? What type of work should I do? How much money do I want to make? What type of place do I want to live? How do I want to relate to my family, my friends? Who should I date? Who should I marry? Who, these are all the things we're trying to figure out, the different behaviors, habits, and also connections that we're trying to make in our life. And it kind of becomes this recipe that we're putting together. And how many of you know that um, maybe back in the day, I'm going to actually see if anybody's done this, because last night at church, it was interesting, some people had done it. Have you ever seen, like, watching, like, the Andy Griffith show, and, you know, like, you know, um, Aunt May, isn't it Aunt May? I don't even know. Is it Aunt May? Aunt B, Aunt B. Right, right, right. Thank you. Um, that Opie, like, she runs out of, like, a cup of sugar. She runs out of sugar, and she's like, hey, Opie, go ask the neighbor for a cup of sugar. Right? Did you, you ever, you know, like, that's a thing, like, asking your neighbor for whatever you're short of. I've never done that. Has anybody ever done that? Do you live in America? Like, that, that's a thing still? Like, that's so, that's awesome. Like, I, I have renewed hope in humanity because, now, out of the people that did it, did you get what you were asking for? Okay, awesome. That's, that even renews my hope even more. But sometimes, what I think of is I think that what we get into this passage where we kind of like, and this is a theme for James, that we lose hope, we lose momentum, we lose that, that grit that we need to get through, and we need to borrow sometimes some faith from someone else in order for us to finish the recipe and to get through. So before I read, I'm going to read the entire passage 
Um, and differently than the past, I want to just kind of highlight this, is that um, I've been pretty faithful to you guys to really go verse by verse by verse through James, the entire book, and give you my thoughts and give you what I believe God is speaking to us about in each of those passages. Today, I'm going to kind of like highlight the second podcast for you. The second podcast is um, a podcast that AP and I do every week, and we talk about the weekend message, and we talk about the things I didn't have time to really go into, kind of like elaborate on that. We have a lot of fun, and we get kind of deep at times, and we just talk about this. You can just search for it on iTunes, Second Place Church, and it'll pop up. But here's the point. I'm going to take some of the things that are in my notes, and I'm going to bump those to the second podcast. And the reason for it is because I really feel like God, in this passage, there's enough meat here for probably four weeks of messages, honestly. But today, I'm going to really hone in on a particular part that I really feel like God's wanting to speak to us about in a big way. So before I read the entire passage and then focus, um, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. And Lord, we thank you for the book of James that's been given to us, Lord. One that Martin Luther didn't even want to be part of the canon. One that is very challenging and some um, folks have a hard time reading it and not feeling guilty. Lord, I thank you for the grace that's been given throughout this series to us to really look at this and to see your grace within it. And so God, as we read this last portion of this this letter, Lord God, I pray that it would speak to us. Lord, I pray that the walls would come down. And Lord God, that you would show us what is really the key to the recipe of our lives. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, I think if we just kind of hit that very first verse in that passage, verse 13. Um, This is a a passage that I'm not going to focus a ton on, but um, I'm going to push to the second podcast. But you think about this, it kind of gives you a little bit of a recipe. It says, if any of you are in trouble, you should pray. If any of you are happy, you should praise. Prayer and praise should be a part of your life, should be a part of that recipe. And the question that I'll leave you with for this passage, this one verse, is how can I create a lifestyle of prayer and praise? How can I create a lifestyle of prayer and praise? The other passage that I'm not going to take a lot of time with is the passage about Elijah. That's verses 17 and 18. What's really interesting to me about um, Elijah is that it says that he was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And I believe that what we see here is that Elijah made prayer a priority in his life, and the priority fleshed itself out by him being earnest and him being very specific. 
he was earnestly praying. He was putting his heart into prayer. And then he was also being specific. Like he was like, I, I, no rain, now rain. And he knew when God answered his prayer. So um, a question that you can wrestle with this week, is prayer a priority in my life? And how can I make prayer a priority in my life? And, and by priority, here's what I mean. Let's learn from Elijah. That I pray earnestly and I pray specifically. Some of us, what we're doing is we're praying very vague prayers. And it's very difficult, even if God chooses to answer that prayer in a huge, awesome way, sometimes it's hard for us to know that he did because we were so vague. So we need to be specific and we need to be earnest. All right, so the meat of what I want to hit is verses 14, 15, and 16. Um, and th- this is what it says. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The elders of our church are myself and Sarah, Dave and Valerie Short, um, Matt and Julie Boomsma, Larry and Melissa Watson, who are here today, um, and Dave and Robin Hernandez. And so we have couples that serve as elders, primarily because there are some issues that we need a woman in that mix. Is, can I get an amen from the ladies? All right, just so you know, I get it. Like some of you are like, I don't want Joe praying for me because uh, I just need to connect with someone who has faith that is a woman. And so that's, that's why we serve as, as couples. And so this passage says, and the prayer offered in faith with, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be, be forgiven. Now, some of us or many of us have seen or heard this passage many times before. And we, we often think when we see the word sick, we think, okay, well, yeah. I mean, when the, uh, anyone among us sick, what we need to do is we need to call the elders together. We need to pray and anoint with oil. And then this sick person is going to be raised up. And then we have experiences that seem to go contrary to what James is saying. Meaning that we, maybe some of us have had loved ones who have been sick. Maybe we've had um, ourselves been sick. And maybe we've been full of faith. And maybe they've been full of faith. And we've called the elders to pray. And we've anointed them with oil. And, and we've prayed the prayer of faith. And yet, for some reason, the healing doesn't come. Why is that? I mean, I just got through saying, and you guys just got through studying an entire book of the Bible that is written by a guy who's very cut and dry, who basically says, this is what you do and this is what will happen. And now we play this out in real life and what we experience is something that's not so cut and dry. I mean, the way that we read this, it seems like healing should be at the ready, right? We should be able to pray. We should be able to pray the prayer of faith and we should be able to see this person healed and walk and healed and not be lame, healed of cancer. All these things that we have wrestled with and how many of you know that that doesn't always happen? And there's a problem with that because... It tests our faith. When we pray this prayer and the the healing doesn't come and we have to medicate or we have to be hospitalized, we have to walk the, the, the path of suffering of a physical ailment, we wonder what in the world was James talking about? And some of us struggle in our faith. And you know what? I've known people that have had this happen where they walk away from the faith. Well, God isn't a good God, obviously. He, does, he doesn't deliver the goods the way that James says he should. And, and I'm, I'm just not on board anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't, 
I can't have a faith in a God where it says that if I call the elders of the church and they pray over me, that they would anoint me, that I would be healed. And they bail on their faith. Now, we could get into a long conversation about this, right? The sovereignty of God. The fact that there are some things that we are, that God has designed us to go through and that is, the, that is our story to walk through. And that there is a story that points to God in that. There is a way to see Jesus be made famous in that, amen? That there is a way for even in our suffering for us to count it joy the way that, that James said it. But I will say this, we have to ask the question, what did James mean when he said, if there's anyone sick among you? The word sick in this verse, in the Gospels, is used for physical ailments. Fair enough. So there is a, there is a, uh, there is evidence that he meant physical issues and health issues. And so we do call the elders to pray for those who are sick, right? And we do see miracles still happen today. We still see healings happen today. Anybody excited about that? We still serve a God that's powerful enough to raise someone up when they are weak. But here's what I'm going to say, and when they're sick, but there's also this that you have to understand. In the Gospels, this word, when it's used, it's used for physical ailments. But all, all throughout the rest of the New Testament, when this word is used, it's used in Acts and in the Epistles. It's used for those who are weak and weak in faith and weak in conscience. So there is evidence in the Gospels, but there's a big body of evidence in the, in the rest of the New Testament that what James is saying is, is that when someone is weak of faith, when someone is sick and tired, when someone is giving up on God, when someone has lost hope, when someone is struggling, this is what he's referring to. This word is used in Romans 6.19, Romans 14.1, 1 Corinthians 8.9-12. He was referring to those who grow weary in addition to the physical, but who grow weary spiritually and they want to give up. They're soul sick. Those who are weak morally, those who are weak in conscience, those who are weak and cannot hold their lives together anymore in the face of suffering. This is what James is referring to as well. And so, we see, now here's what I need you to do. Context, right? Think about James, what I just talked to you guys about. The themes of the book, humility, perseverance, suffering, sticking with it, not giving up, putting your faith into action. And then he says, if any of you are weak in faith, or weak in conscience, are ready to give up, what should you do? Doesn't that make a lot of sense? It makes a lot of sense that when he would say this, he, he hasn't been, this book is not about physical healing. This book is not, is not about how miraculous the work of God is and what, what God could do from a healing standpoint. But here, all of a sudden, he throws down, after he's been challenging, 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 now he's saying, let me tell you the secret to getting through. What you need to do if you're weak in faith, if you're ready to give up, if you're sick and tired, is you need to call to, for the elders of the church. You need to anoint with oil. You need to pray. And then that person is healed. No, it says they're raised up. They're refreshed. So Joe, me, rewrote this passage just like this. It says, is anyone among you sick and tired, ready to give up on their faith? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and refresh them with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer offered in faith will encourage, uplift, and restore the weary, tired, broken person. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Interesting. Now, that's not scripture. That's Joe paraphrase, right? But here's what's interesting. At the very end, he says this. He doesn't say that they're going to be healed physically. He says that they're going to be forgiven. See, this is another indicator that there is something that's worse than the physical sickness in our lives. And it's when our soul is sick. When we've botched the recipe so bad that we have a problem in our heart. And it doesn't matter if God heals you physically, if your soul is lost. Are you with me? Like, James is saying, this is the most important thing, is you need to understand that we are losing people on the team left and right. And what you need to do is you need to call the elders of, of the church and you need to anoint with oil and you need to pray for them so that they don't give up. And what will happen is they will be refreshed. They will be raised up. Their faith will be restored and they will be able to continue. And if they've been sinning, they would even ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. This is encouraging stuff for those of us that struggle which is every one of us, which I think I'm tried in this place to make it part of our DNA, that no, what do we usually do? Um, well, actually, let me not get ahead of myself. Let me just ask you a question, all right? Um, how weary is your faith? And what would happen? And why wouldn't you allow someone to pray for you if that was gonna lead to healing? What is stopping me from allowing others to pray for me if that will bring healing? Let's keep reading in verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins. That would be brokenness, false steps, offenses. Where you have been, where, you're, where, where you are now. Confess those sins to each other and pray for it. Now, confess those to just anybody. Be careful. Be discerning, Right? We need to be discerning about our confession, but we need, to, we need to be able to have community. So confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So it says here that healing is coming when we pray with each other. James is indicating that not only physical healing, but emotional healing, spiritual healing, the gaps in our soul that God only can fill. And he does that through prayer with each other. So when we see this, what do we normally do when we're struggling? What we normally do is we hide, right? That's what we do. It's human nature. I'm struggling. I don't want anyone to know. I want to be able to figure this one out on my own. I can, I can just barrel through it and power through on my own. And James is saying, this is not the way. This is not the recipe. I've tried to make it pretty clear that in this place, it is okay to not be okay. And I don't know, there's a lot of you that have probably been here and said, I don't believe that. That's a bunch of garbage because I've just been around church too long. But I don't care, I'm still going to tell you that part of the key to the recipe for our lives to make it through whatever struggle you're going through today is to pray together and allow someone to pray for you. And it says that you will be raised up. Isn't this what we want? And yet what we do is we hide. We don't connect in with others. We don't connect in with a counselor. We don't connect in with any type of elder or spiritual mentor. We don't even know how to find a spiritual mentor. 
And so as we're looking at this, we, we move away from people. We isolate. We avoid people. We avoid God. We don't want anyone to see us like this. And the entire time, the devil is laughing at us because he's like, I got you where I want you. I've got you isolated, which is exactly what's going to destroy your faith. Because eventually, you're going to run out of patience and you're going to run out of perseverance. And the thing that keeps that going is praying for each other when we're struggle. So this is awkward because now I'm saying we need to open ourselves up to prayer with each other. At the end of the service, in just a few minutes, we're going to have elders at the back in, in the, the couch areas um, near there. Um, I know you guys are hanging out there. That's totally fine. But we'll be near those spots and we're going to allow you guys to go back there and to, and to be prayed for and maybe you're going to be standing in for someone else. Maybe you're going to be saying that I know someone that has a struggle or maybe I know that I have a struggle and you're going to say, I want the prayer of faith prayed over me so that I can be raised up. Maybe you have a physical ailment. But we're going to pray today. We're going to give you the opportunity to practice and put into practice what we see here. But here's the thing. We need to understand that the God is most drawn to us because of our brokenness when we admit it. Psalm uh, 34, 17, and 18 says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Here's what he's saying. If you're broken and you'll admit it, then God is going to be close to you. He's going to help you if you feel like your spirit is crushed. But if you are sitting at the table with pride, saying, I deserve this spot. Don't you know? My name is Mike Koenig, and I serve in the front of house, man. Like, don't you know? Like, I, I have this great family. I have this, I have that. And the whole time, God is saying, you're really broken. You're broken, and you're avoiding it. We were talking just this morning, right, about the fact that some of us have walked in today and, and we're like really easily admitting to God that I have a heart murmur, God, you know, spiritually. I have a spiritual heart murmur. It's this little thing. You know, we're good. I'm going to praise, I'm gonna praise some, some God today and I'm just going to like just get out there, raise my hands, and it's going to be okay because I think the heart murmur isn't life-threatening. And the reality is, is that you're holding your arm in your hands and your arm is off and you're bleeding out. That's a great picture, right? We talked about this. And we are honest with ourselves. But if we are honest and say, God, I'm broken, what does he do? He comes right to you and says, guess what? You're in triage, man. You're not having an appointment about a heart murmur. We're going to sew that arm back on and get you healed up and get you back out there to go. And unless we admit that, unless we come to God broken, it's not going to work. He's not going to, he's not going to be able, we're not going to sense it. And so we run away from each other, and we run away from God. But I want you to know that Jesus is awesome. Jesus understood what was going on in the people that he was interacting with. He, was, he understood, and he said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your body is rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And not only did he understand it when he said that, but then in Hebrews 4, it says that he understands it now because it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. That's what James's message is, is hold firmly to the faith that you profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So he gets it. He gets what your struggle is. He gets you. But then this last part is key when it comes to prayer, right? So some of us are like, well, God, you know, I mean, if you want to, like, it'd be great if maybe that this could maybe work out if you're so inclined. He's, Paul says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to do what? Help us in our time of need. So your brokenness drives you to the throne of God, not in, in, yes, in humility, but in confidence to say, God, I need this grace. I need the grace that I can, so I can make it through this time of need. And so we pray with expectation, and we pray that the idea that we're going to activate something supernatural when we pray. So um, as we think about this, here are some, uh, oh, the big idea for today would be this, if there was one. Good thoughts, good thoughts don't really change the direction of your life. Prayer does. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm still one of those old dudes that's on Facebook, you know, once in a while. I barely ever post, but sometimes I'll see like, oh, just got into a car accident. And then you'll see people like post underneath that. Um, and it'll be like, sending good thoughts your way. And I'm like, if that was me, I'd be like, dude, I don't need your good thoughts, man. Send me a check for my broken car, right? Like, I need something more than good thoughts. Good thoughts don't bring healing. They don't bring healing when I'm sick. Prayer does. And I'm sorry, I mean, I think good thoughts are good thoughts because they're good thoughts, but I also don't know that it's really helpful, and I can't stand here in good faith before you and say, you know what you need more in your life? You just need to have more good thoughts. I won't ask for a raise, if you raise your hands if you've ever wrote that, but, you know, next time you come up to me and you're like, man, I'm, I'm having a struggle. Can we meet this week, Joe? Absolutely, but I, let me just tell you right now, I'll just be sending good thoughts your way before we meet, all right? I mean, who does this? No one cares. Shut your mouth with your good thoughts, man. I need something real. I mean, so you were sending bad thoughts before? Like, <laughs> thanks for qualifying that and making sure I knew they were good ones this time. Oh, before the car accident, I just was sending bad thought after bad thought after bad thought. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm feeling good, okay. Uh, do you guys feel that, how stupid sometimes, like, social media can be? Can I say stupid? Uh, it's just... Okay, thank you. I was looking for Sydney. She's good. All right. All right, so here's a couple of action steps um, for this week before we get to the very last verse, and then we're going to sing. Um, okay, Rachel, I think I might need you to go to the next slide. Let's see what happens. Is it a long one? Yeah. Okay, so number one, action step. What just happened? Was it just really quick? No. Oh, it fuzzed through. Oh, awesome. Okay. I didn't see that, so it's all good. So make prayer a priority. Carve five minutes out of your day to pray. No big deal. 
Like, why can't you do that? I, I, I challenge anyone today to tell me that you can't do that. Will you do that? Different question. Second thing, um, change the way you pray. Change the way you pray. Pray earnestly, pray specifically. If you don't, if you don't have a passion for whatever you're praying about, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a passion. We've taught about this over the summer. The Holy Spirit wills and works in you, okay? So he gives you the will to do the good purposes of God. So you need to pray that you want to want to, all right? So pray earnestly and then pray specifically. Write it down, circle it, pray for it every day. Don't give up, persevere. Three, leverage the power of prayer with others. Pray with others consistently. I would challenge you that even more specifically than that, because that's kind of vague, what's consistent, what do you mean, is I would say this. I challenge you to pray with someone this week, either for someone or have someone pray for you this week. I challenge you to do that this week. And I will tell you right now, I mean, be discerning about who you, who you open yourself up to to pray. But man, I believe that God is going to change your life through that. Because that's what the Word of God says. It doesn't say good thoughts. It says that. Last passage is this. Um, James 5, 19 through 20. It says, Brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is so good. Um, this is super easy to apply to our lives because there's two people that are mentioned in this passage. There's a wanderer and there's a rescuer. And my question I'm going to leave you with is, which one are you? Are you the wanderer or are you the rescuer? And you might be both at the same time. If you're the rescuer, if you are the rescuer, here's what you need to do this week, is you need to pray for those that God is calling you to rescue. You need to pray for those opportunities to see them come to faith, to see them raised up and healed. You need to pray that you would be sensitive to see those opportunities when they appear in your life. That if you're the rescuer, you might have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, but you might be missing it. And if you pray specifically, you're gonna be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in your life when that happens. But if you're the wanderer, if you're the wanderer, you need to be refreshed. You need to be brought back. You need to, you need to acknowledge the fact that you're broken that you've, you've kind of lost your way and that you need to come back. And I'll tell you right now that this room is full of wanderers. But I'll also tell you this, this room is also full of rescuers. You see, everybody's a little worried about what everybody else thinks. I, 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 I laugh when, you know, raising our hands. By the way, next week, through Christmas, we're going to talk about worship, and we'll talk about raising hands and kneeling and all that. But sometimes it's funny, like when we're like, "Well, I don't know if I should raise my hands, you know, and do like the fireman's carry thing, or or do this, or you know, or just to like just a little bit, you know, yep, or the field goal, yep. I don't know. But here's what happens: is the reason that often we're not doing that is because we're thinking about what the other person next to us thinks about that. 
And I had someone tell me this one time and it freed me immediately. Is he said, you know what? You're not that important, number one, that everyone's thinking about you. Number two, no one's thinking about that because everyone's thinking about what everyone else thinks about what they're doing. They're all thinking like you. So the fact that you raise your hands, probably no one's gonna notice. Freed somebody today. And so we're worried about what people think. You know what? If it meant the difference between being raised up in my spirit and to have the perseverance and the patience to continue today in the faith and in the, the faith that I profess, don't I would be tapping into whatever it is that would get me to that point. And what we see here is that it means that we pray. We pray. If any of you are in trouble, you should pray. Some of you are wandering. You're in trouble. You should pray. We'll be available in the back to pray with you. And if any of you are happy, you should praise. Some of you don't get anything out of worship because you're wandering still and you're in trouble. And the, the, the task is, is to pray and then to praise. So let's stand. You guys good? Has this been good? All right, let's put our faith into action as we worship. We'll have elders in the back able to pray with you between the couches. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you're, you're doing in our life, God, and the fact that, Lord, you are here right now, Lord, that you have given us the book of James, Lord Jesus, to understand what faith in action is really all about. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord God, to see that the key to the recipe, God, the key to the recipe, Lord, it's not anything that we can concoct ourselves. It's not about that. But sometimes, Lord God, it's about borrowing that faith through prayer. But it's always making prayer a priority in our lives. God, you are a good God. You would never put us in a, in a situation that's going to bring us harm. It may it bring discomfort. May it bring um, a, a need to step out of our comfort zone. Absolutely. But Lord, we know that you are a good God and that when you call us, Lord God, and you say it is time to pray together when you get to this point, Lord, help us to be open to that today. Help us, Lord God, to worship you with everything we have today. Lord, we worship you now. We, we love you, Lord God. May your presence change us in Jesus' name. like me but i cannot believe that there have been christmas trees up in stores for a month and now that 93.9 is playing christmas music and has been for since like october something like i'm over it like it's not even thanksgiving yet can i eat some turkey like have a food induced coma and then let's go like we can talk about christmas but no we're like christmas is everywhere and then not only that, but you, there's all kinds of extra stuff going on, right? There's all kinds of extra things that we're doing. We're like having family parties, work parties. We're, we're going to like white elephant gift things. We're going, we're going to parties where we don't even know the people and we're buying Christmas gifts for people we don't even know. I mean, 
This is crazy. Like, I don't even understand how our lives are so busy during the year. And then we get to this season and it seems like it goes way crazy, even more crazy than what it usually is. So my question to you is like, how are you going to focus on what really matters during Christmas? And obviously that's Jesus. The whole Christmas season is about Jesus. And so how are you going to focus and really be able to keep Jesus first throughout this season and not miss it? I know some people that, that be kind of like challenging each other and, and kind of challenge each other through what I call soul workouts. And we've been doing these things and we've been, we've been growing and we've been learning and we've been um, really just kind of carving out some time and, and really trying to, to do that in the morning or in the evening, whatever works for our schedule. And, and just kind of applying the word that we read and, and through prayer, just really get, getting God ideas about what our life needs to look like and changes we need to make and all that kind of stuff. And so I, there, our lives are changing. Things are changing, man. And it's so, so encouraging that I want to challenge each and every one of you to consider this, this Christmas season, because I think that you don't have to look, which January is going to be here in two seconds. Like it's already November, 2017. It seems like it was just the, like January of 2017. Now it's already going to be 2018. It's going to be here in a second. And I don't know about you, but I don't think you want to look back at this Christmas season and say, man, I wish I would have, or I could have, I should have, I would have done this or that to make this Christmas awesome. But instead to actually get intentional, be purposeful and say, I'm going to focus on what really matters. I'm going to get all the like random things done, all the extra stuff done, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be intentional. And you will have regrets in January if you don't have a plan. And so I want to challenge you. And I had this idea to say, let's go after 30 days to Jesus first. 30 days where we intentionally spend time with God every morning or evening, whatever works with your schedule. We spend time with God. We spend time reading, praying, praying towards things and circling things in prayer. And then applying the word that we're reading and then challenging each other to service projects during the week um, that we've got planned and being able to see maybe we're going to give up something for um, these 30 days, or maybe we're going to uh, save something for 30 days and be able to give it away. Um, we're just going to see what God does in those 30 days, but not to add anything extra to our schedule, but to really kind of like integrate into what you're already doing and allow Jesus to really be first. So that when January comes and December 26 is, is, is here. And even when we look back on the season, we're able to say, man, I focused on what mattered most. I spent the time that I wanted to with family. I was able to do some things differently this year to see my Christmas be what I've always thought it could be. And that is to focus on what really matters. And that is Jesus and those that we love. And so I challenge you today to sign up for uh, 30 days to Jesus first. And you can do that by grabbing that clipboard that's on the left side of your road. Go ahead and grab it right now. And you can pass that to your right, sign up. There's a spot for you to sign up on that clipboard. You can let us know if you're interested. It starts next Sunday, November 26th. And we're going to start with a conference call where we're going to be able to call in and we're going to be able to kind of inspire you for the next 30 days. And we'll do one of those each week where you can connect in and get updates and inspiration for the following week. So um, we're excited about this. I hope that you sign up. And I don't even care. Like if, if we get five people that, that, that'll do this with me, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to have some fun and we're going to see what God does over the next few weeks as we hit the Advent season on November 26th uh, next weekend. All right, guys? Um, I gotta, I'm here. I'm at church. I gotta get ready for church. So I will see you guys later.